welcome to the Cinemondo Podcast with Kathy, Mark, and Burke talking about movies, horror, sci-fi, unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated, always interesting. How's everyone? Good. Everything's good. Did you guys notice the shirt I'm wearing? I know. Mm. Can everybody at home see that clearly enough? Can you see this cute shirt? Well, I'll I'll describe it. It's Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. <laughs> Baby Yoda. I have Baby Yoda. <laughs> I have to say, I put on the Baby Yoda shirt and I just feel better. Oh. And when you wear it, you walk around and people will be walking by and all of a sudden you just see their faces light up. I mean, people see Baby Yoda, he has that power. But you know what? Is this going to be one of those things like Daenerys where people are naming their babies Daenerys and then it turns out in the very last part of... Game of Thrones that she turns out to be so evil and now they're now they have Spoilers. kids named Daenerys, you know. Well, no, is, I don't think anyone's going to name their baby Baby Yoda. Yeah, but what if everybody's <laughs> so in love with Baby Yoda and what if in season 2 it turns out Baby Yoda is a bad guy? No. Do not say that. That would be awesome though. Yeah. That, that would be, be awesome. so cool if Baby Yoda was a badass, but this he's just, just too cute in the season. Thing, one. And That's also Yoda is a benevolent creature and I don't think a Baby Yoda would not be benevolent. As but we don't we know. But we don't know really who this character is. We don't. Everybody, everybody calls he's him Baby Yoda, but it's called the kid in the it's show. Not Yoda. Child. He's called the kid. Yeah, yeah. Not, right. He's called the kid. He's called the, the child. child. The child. <laughs> oh, the kid. Sorry. <laughs> the kid. That's <laughs> what they not. say when they're trying to be more casual. <laughs> he's not Yoda. He is a he is a, a, a creature that is the same plot, the same DNA genus, Genetics, uh, genet- yeah. the same species yeah. as the character we know as Yoda. Who I'm sorry, but is, would you rather someone go? Hey, I love that. Not the same species, same species Yoda, but not Yoda T-shirt. Or do I just say Baby Yoda because it sounds cute? Yeah, <laughs> I, I like it. The, the kid T-shirt. I just yeah. like. Cool. I I don't want to say kid or child. <laughs> I want to say Baby Yoda. Okay, Baby Yoda. <laughs> it's just cuter. Right. It's yeah. a very it's cute, cute shirt. And you know, you wear it. It's fun. And you know, all the Baby Yoda stuff supposed to come out around like May or something. Mm-hmm. This right. came out early, and it's actually really good. So I took it. Off. I'm like buying that. So I got it. Well, they missed the boat on the mar- merchandise. They missed the boat because they, you know, they didn't. I guess they didn't realize how popular Baby Yoda was going to be. Because if they had had Baby Yoda toys, it would have sold out. It would have been you know rampaging. You yeah, it would have been selling, before uh, Christmas. It yeah. would have been the Christmas toy. Right. And I love the theory people are saying, oh well, Disney just didn't want uh, you know want the the secret to get out about Baby Yoda. I'm like. That's total bullshit because they will worship all above else the dollar. And if they could have had Baby Yoda merchandise for Christmas, they would have done it if their marketing department knew what the hell they were doing. And they did not. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'd also like a Pedro Pascal t-shirt. I'm just saying. (laughs) So there you go. I have a feeling they didn't didn't know what was going to happen with this show. It was was the first... Live action Star Wars television yeah. series. You know, there's been animated ones, but this is the first live action one, which is interesting that they that they decided to do something so risky, where the main character you don't even see his face. So many risky things in yeah. that, like thirty minutes and also, long episodes. Just appealing to Star Wars fans is so difficult because yes. they're such little bitches. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot that complained about it. But oh yeah, the, the more common, so like many. myself, the common fan. Yeah. Was blown away by it. You're yeah. so common. I'm just, I just like, <laughs> give me something entertaining and good. You know, and I, and even Star Wars fans still seem to kind of unite behind yeah. this because they didn't trample on the mythology that they all hold so precious and try and reinvent, you know, and tell them a storyline they didn't want 
like any Star Wars movie will do when they go, that's not what I would have done, and then they condemn the entire film. Well, they'll complain about anything. I mean, if you stick to canon strictly, they complain, why don't you experiment? Why don't you mm-hmm. push the envelope? And if you push the envelope, they're like, why don't you stick to canon? Why don't you keep it the same as it always is? You can't win as a you filmmaker no. in yeah. Star Wars. I mean, so can't. I love that, you know, I mean, they had A-list people working on it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I still think Disney underestimated it. Yeah, I think well, maybe they were they were conducting an experiment and they gave it like, like let's do thirty minute episodes. Yeah, plus is you know yeah. Disney Plus a new streaming thing. Of course they have you know Pixar and Star Wars and you know National Geographic and yeah. Disney stuff and you know it's it's crazy. It's got Marvel. Yeah, how would it not succeed? And but they I, still throw a lot of money behind the show. No, yeah. they put money behind it. Yeah. but I I still think like you were saying they're half hour. You know, they didn't commit to an hour-long episode. You know, they gave it eight. And their anthology, it's they an kept anthology it series, small. basically. Anthology, they kept it small. They didn't even show the main actor's face. I wonder if he got paid less because of that. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, he's probably know. only on set like half the time. His body doubled to the rest. I don't know. You'd never know. Well, you'd think, you'd think that he'd be offset by, if he got paid less because his likeness isn't visible in every episode, you'd think that it would be offset by the hazard pay of having to wear that helmet, that low visibility exactly. helmet the whole time. Oh my God, it had to be so hard. Yeah, it's hard to wear a costume like that because it's it takes a while. I mean, it looks like he just sort of puts it on, puts on the armor and everything, but when you're, you know, in you know film television production where there's a character who wears something like that, a lot of gear, a lot of props, a lot of stuff that can fall off and break and whatever. There's a lot of prep involved in his, even though you don't see his face and there's no, you know, facial makeup, there's other kinds of makeup. There's a lot of aging that goes into the costume. There's a lot of, you know, just dressing the costume itself and making sure the costume looks perfect making sure there's the right kind of dirt on it and the dents and the dust and the dirt on it mm-hmm. that matches yep. what the action's been. Yep. There's a lot to it. It's not easy to have to have a costume like that in and a plus, show. Yeah, and just, I hope he got paid well because yeah. you know, yeah, I'm sure you know he was sweating under there. And he's got to yeah. act physically. He's got to act yeah. with his yeah. body and his you yeah. know, the physical oh, gestures. He does a great job. It's a yeah. great show. I mean, it's a... I liked it. It was really lean. They didn't overpack it with a ton of characters and mythology that would be hard to keep up with. They kept it really. I, you know, I, I think I enjoyed it most more than most of the movies. Um, uh, I, I just agree. felt like it was yeah. just really sincere. It felt, you know, and Favreau's really good at that anyway. Yeah. You know, his, he brings a humanity to superhero material that I think a lot of yeah. people don't. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was very happy. And just well, think about what baby Favreau yet. has done. You know, he's like, yeah. you know, he's done some really great sort of defining moments in pop culture here lately. You know. Mm-hmm. Some of the some of the primary Marvel stuff and you yeah. know but science fiction is one of those things like we were talking about science fiction is one of those things that really has avid fans, like mm-hmm. you know, rabid, avid fans that feel like they they own the material. And there's always, you know, you think about, you know, cosplay and fandom and all this stuff. It's uh, that always when you hear that, you always think science fiction. Mm-hmm. It's sci fi fans. Fantasy. And science fiction movies are always, always do pretty well at the box office. They hardly ever fail. But did you guys and and movies with stars in them always yes. do really well? But oh, did but you guys a hear a movie recently that had a big star in it? It was science fiction, had a big budget, called Ad Astra. I have indeed heard of that. To movie. the stars, yes, <laughs> it's called. Yeah, Ad Astra, yes. And yeah. it had that guy in it, that one actor. What's his name again? That guy. He's been in a few things. Yeah, he's all over the place, that kid. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. <laughs> I love Tommy yeah. Lee Jones. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Brad Pitt. Yeah, Brad you know. Pitt in a big in a big budget sci fi movie. Yeah, but right. I didn't really hear a whole lot about it. You know, it didn't. Uh, the, the budget I think was eighty to one hundred million, and I think it grossed one hundred twenty five million. Mm. So it wasn't domestically. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't a uh, bomb. It, it sort of made its money back. Right. It's money back, but it's like one of those classy, quiet type of sci fi movies that aren't necessarily the big box office ones that I actually prefer. Yeah. To the big bombastic, crazy. Well. Explosion kind of ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of like the fantasy world of they're talking about Star Wars and things like that, where you sort of the science is what it is. It doesn't really matter, but when it's a serious science fiction, like Ad Astra, it takes place in our future, in our real, you know, supposedly our real future, maybe a yeah. hundred years in the future. I, that's a guesstimate. Where where will we be in a hundred years? Will we have a moon base? Will we have right. some some uh, uh, some uh, presence on Mars? And that's kind of what this film is. You know, somewhat. So ba- the basic premise is that um, there's a search for extraterrestrial intelligence that's happening in the in the universe, and th- I'm going to tell the story briefly as I understand it. And apparently, Tommy Lee Jones is um, a genius of this. He's like got some sort of space station, and he was his task was to find extraterrestrial life, and for some reason that involved him going out into space in a spaceship. <laughs> And uh, with a bunch of other people, with a bunch know. of other people on a yeah. space station, some kind of explore, yeah. explorative, uh, exploratory ship heading yeah. out towards the outer solar system, or a station yeah. in orbit around a very vibrant source of radio signals, which is weird to me. But anyway, <laughs> um, the uh, well, you the, don't want to go where there's no radio signals. Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, I mean, you want to go and see where are those radio signals coming from? No, you know where they're coming from. If you're next to a gas giant, there's all kinds of stuff radiating out of those things. Okay, boomer. You'd want to get you'd want to get away from sources of. But their idea was to go past. But it wasn't just radio signals; it was power surges. Like they had to stop it because the power surges are destroying. There was Earth. some power right. surge that was coming right. in and causing damage. Right, and it's like a pulse, so it kept coming in and hitting it. Right, so they had to stop it. So Clifford McBride, which was the character, uh, we never really see him, you know, early in the picture. Right. Uh, Brad Pitt plays his son, who's also an astronaut, and so he's sort of like the son of this sort of glorified, you know, great, you know, hero, astro- like an uh, astronaut, astronaut hero, right? Yeah. And um, his ship is sort of out there somewhere, right? Well, or they lo- sixteen years was it? it hasn't been heard from for sixteen years, and they disappeared around Neptune. Right, I think he's a presumed dead. Yeah, they just long ago ever, dead. Long, yeah, because no one's heard any communication at all. But something secret. But no know, one knows a, what happened. There's a big secret now that something has happened that has made them all believe that he may still be alive. Right. Right. So Brad Pitt's job in this film is to go. They decide to send him. They they use him at first to sort of send messages out there, out into the void, like Father, this is your son. Please respond. And and they don't hear anything. So he, I think he sort of weasels his way onto a onto a ship because he decides he needs to go there himself. And uh, so he ends up on this sort of across the solar system adventure in search of his dad. And the, the idea being that his father didn't pay a lot of attention to him when he was younger, and he's got a lot of conflicting ideas about his dad. Does he love him or does he resent him? But he wants to go out there and find dad. And he was tapped because he has a very low heart rate. Right. And that he never gets, he never loses his shit when stuff's going down. He stays right. very calm. 
And that's sort of that big disaster at the beginning, really well shot, I thought, where he's on the radio tower. Yeah. And then the thing starts breaking apart and he's plummeting and spinning. And that was a really cool scene, I thought. But um, it's a, it's that was like part a, of the reason um, he's tapped for the mission. Not, the, not just for his but dad, the initial but mission, the initial mission is just, hey, listen, it was called yeah. the Lima Project, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. So it's like, hey, you know, we think we, whatever, you, you need to come up to the moon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then send these signals And the up. moon is kind of, well, I mean, not really, well... It's They've mo- sort of built stuff on it. Yeah. Like it's kind of a place to go now yeah. because, you know, it's like has like a subway or something like There's underground There's a subway stuff. and a Starbucks. Or like, almost like <laughs> yeah. a mall. I mean, yeah. which I kind of, it's like, that's probably kind of how it would be. I thought might this be. stuff was really realistic. I thought yeah. it was very cool. Some of the technology in this was really realistic. But then there's other technology that I was asking questions about. But the fact that they had all the concrete, all the exposed concrete, the moon is basically... I mean, just add water, and it's made out of concrete. I think. Yeah. <laughs> right. So if you were going to build structures on on the moon, you would use the material that's right there already, mm-hmm. and you just ship some sort of a bonding agent up there, and you'd build all your structures out of moon dust. Yeah. Which right. is what it looked like, yeah. which is really cool. It yeah. Cool. It fit the environment. It was yeah. Cool. So, but the, he goes there, and then he's transferred. Well, they have that great action sequence of like the moon pirates. Oh yeah. Oh right, right, right. They're That's out right. there and they're trying to go to a they're trying a to go launch to pad a pad or a launch yeah. site. And they all of a sudden these guys come out of nowhere and apparently because the moon's kind of lawless, yeah, that people were kind of like, you know, out there stealing from people. Pirate, yeah. Yeah, moon I thought pirates. that was a really cool scene. It was very interesting. I thought yeah. it was kind of like uh, unique. It was like dune buggies. Yeah, yes. on the moon. They were shooting at each other. But they were, he was going to another launch pad to launch from the moon to Mars. Right. Right. Yeah, I think he was going to try to stow away on a on a ship after that he meets the woman on the moon. Um, you know, there's she tells him sort of like the truth behind the mission and all this kind of stuff, and she says, "Well, there is a way that you can get on." And so, but the thing is, that's kind of the the premise of it was him going through event after event and scene after scene mm-hmm. of adventure. Um, Trying to find, trying to get to his father, who is in orbit around Neptune, right? right. And um, that's the thing. And now, should we put our little our little moment where we where we let's t- just take a break? Hey, I want to talk about Buzzsprout. Do you know what that is? Yeah, we've heard. It's of not it. a movie. It's not a monster. No, but it's why we have. Uh, it's one of the main reasons we are people are listening to us today, <laughs> right? <laughs> well put. Sorry. <laughs> so we just we want to talk to you a little bit about Buzzsprout. It's the best way to launch a professional podcast. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. It has it, been easy. And what it is, it's it's kind of hard. When, when I first started doing this podcast and you were explaining all this stuff to me, it was difficult for me to understand what it is. But what it is, is it's a, it's, I mean, when you do a podcast, I understand that part. We sit around and, and just blabber for like an hour about movies and stuff. Boy, yeah. do we ever. But then what do you do with that? T- you know, you have a right. little recording. Mm-hmm. What do you do with it? And what do you, you know, that, that's to me, that's the mysterious part. How do you part. get it from our, you know, recording equipment here right. to a website? And then how does that go out to iTunes and Radio Public and Stitcher and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then you, the listeners can listen to us. How does that work? Spread, I mean, you just output your you output your podcast as a sound file, you know, an audio file in whatever format, you know, and then you upload it 
to Buzzsprout, and then you change all these settings. You you know you create an account and everything. You set all your settings like where you want to publish it, and isn't am I is it no? Am I correct? No, <laughs> no. That's basically right. Okay. The thing is, you don't even really have to choose because they have this thing, and I didn't know what this was called until I started doing this as an RSS feed, and they create it for you. What your your only job is make your podcast upload it right done so what happens is your podcast automatically on buzzsprout it creates an rss feed which is what all these podcast directories use they draw from the speed to publish on their their formats whether it's spotify or itunes you know itunes is the the big whale that's what you get after a couple of weeks of proving you're serious about podcasting it'll just automatically in a way get picked up mm. sometimes you have to go and ask to be picked up most of the time they just pick them up it's like magic but it's like, that's part of what makes Buzzsprout so easy is you just do what you do and they'll kind of take care of the rest. It makes it much easier. So they, they're they easy and it's probably the best way to launch and promote and track your podcast. It shows you all the downloads you have. It shows where they are. There's like a graph that shows you where in the world people are listening. It's really cool. Your show can be listed online in all the major podcast directories like what we talked about. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, <laughs> which is what we like. Within minutes of finishing the recording, you can just be up and out there. It's really cool. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. And the team at Buzzsprout is passionate and at helping you succeed. Join over 100,000. 100,000. I can't believe there's not more. Um, Already (laughs) using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Create something great. One thing to remember is like if you think you're, you're, you're at the beginning stage of saying, okay, I think I'd like to talk about it. I like, you know. Model trains or something. Right. You want to, and that's your thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, what do I do? Well, you, you might say, well, I can't go to Buzzsprout because I don't even have any equipment. I don't right. even have a microphone. I don't have any of this stuff. They'll actually help you with finding the right gear for sure. you and your budget. And then all you need is like a quiet place in your house, a room or something. And then, then you're on your way. Yep. So they'll help you with that beginning stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. letting you know what works and what doesn't. I mean, you could do a podcast with your with your iPhone if you want. A lot of people yeah. do. Yeah, and uh, you know the content the content of the of of your podcast is up to you. You also get, but everything else they can. I mean, they'll just take it. Yeah. You, you don't have to do, do any of that horrible stuff because it's a lot of it. You know, like they'll they give you your own website. So we have a bus route website, Cinemato slash Cinemato podcast. Um, they give you. You know, audio players that you can embed where you, if you have your own website, you can put these cool audio players and they give you a couple designs to choose from. They'll create sound bites for you that you can use to post on Twitter and Facebook that are really cool. I mean, this is all stuff I would never have known a year ago. And now I know all this stuff. And a lot of it's because Best Brownings is so damn easy. Yeah. And so, and, and Kathy was really the one that sort of was the behind this part of, uh, you know, getting this podcast off the ground. And so for, when you found Buzzsprout, like from the time that you actually got the website to the time we were actually sort of up and running, how many hours did you have to, like, it wasn't like, Not cra- a lot. it was just like, just a quick learning curve, right? I no, because it was basically upload your audio. The rest yeah. of it was kind of done for me. Now yeah. I started expanding it beyond that, like with our social media and then, you know, looking at certain uh, podcast players that aren't necessarily automatic. You have to ask for like Spotify. You have to ask to be on their platform. It's like you just send in your RSS feed, which they give you, and you're done. I mean, mostly it's like you just get in, and all of a sudden it starts making sense. Right. Because this is the intimidating part. When you try to make a podcast, you're like, what do I do with this? Now that I've recorded it, it's just I don't know what to do. It's like you don't really have to do anything. You can just use their website and right. use that as your website. Yeah. 
So, so the first hurdle really cool. is like, okay, the equipment to actually do it. Right. And then what do you do with it after it's done? Right. Buzzsprout helps it. you the whole way. That's right. And they're cool. not, it's, it's, it's inexpensive and it's so effective and it's just easy to use. And if you want to help us out, you can follow the link in our show notes that lets Buzzsprout know we've sent you. You'll get the $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and that helps support our show. So that would be awesome. Nice. If you guys want to get into podcasting and you heard it here and you want to help us and yourself, and you get it's that, a gi- that gift card, you can uh, buy a you know like a seventy five inch TV or something. Well, uh, you can buy some really nice equipment for podcasting <laughs> exactly. and not use your phone. There you go. <laughs> so it's a great website, highly recommended. Yep. We don't advertise stuff unless we actually believe in it. We're actually using it, so that's yeah. why we picked it. Yeah, that's cool. right. So we believe in it. We like it. dot com. Buzzsprout dot com. dot com. Okay. And before we go any further, let's play the trailer so people get a feel for Ad Astra. Okay. Okay, so you want to play the trailer and uh, of Ad Astra. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I do what I do because of my dad. He gave his life for the pursuit of knowledge. Because up there is where our story is going to be told. This is a top-secret psychological evaluation. Please describe your current emotional state. I'm steady, calm, ready to do my job to the best of my abilities. I will remain calm. I will remain focused. You look just like your dad there. He was the first man to the outer solar system. He was a pioneer. But there was much more to him than that. Please, state your mission objective. I am attempting to stop an uncontrolled antimatter reaction, which threatens our entire solar system. We're approaching Mars. Spacecom believes my father is responsible. We're doing big things up here, real big. What did he find out there in the abyss? The enemy up here not a person or a thing. It's the endless void. The world awaits our discovery, my son. Okay. <laughs> the so, trailer. Everybody's got a feel for it now. Yeah. I think it's pretty accurate. It's it's very pensive. Well, it's very, I, you know, I like these kind of sci-fi movies because I, I like the quiet sort of moodiness of it. You know, sort of the interstellar 
you know, gravity type of movies where you see a lot of people just what it would feel like to be in space, the sort of quietness of it, the the long shots of you kind of, you know, looking at the scenery or floating down hallways. I just really enjoy that more than like the people stomping around like usual Marvel right. kind of sci-fi movies. Um, <laughs> you know, adding a, a superhero element type thing. You don't like raccoons flying spaceships? <laughs> I do actually love that. But yeah. <laughs> I also like... Um, like you know, High Life was kind of like that. It High Life film. was very much yeah. like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy those kind of movies, especially, you know, I, I don't mind it being a little emo- emotional and that it, the crux of it isn't like just some sort of sci-fi thing. Of, we need to go find more power to energy, you know, for the earth, the energy, the power. It's like, I like that it sort of had the element of exploration and some sort of emotional closure for Brad Pitt to find out what happened to his father. I think that was kind of a nice little role in of character that helped propel. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think there's a lot to like. I mean, I think it, it looks good. The you know the effects. It, you get that sense of 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 being out there, and I, I there's a lot I liked, but there was major problems for me with the movie, and a lot of it had to do with. I think that seems a little small to me. The fact that he's going out to Neptune right. to sort of. Take care of his daddy issues. Well, that's right. not really yeah. why, but that that was part a of part, why. Yeah, I, I mean, they were trying to stop the radio pulses that were. But I it know. seemed like the daddy issues were what the film was trying to sell us was the reason. It was like his compulsion to go out and reconnect with his father and well, find he go, his he, dad he, he that gets, he never had. He gets on that ship with those, you know, he kind of stowaways or gets on that ship and ends up killing the rest of the crew. Right. <laughs> which seemed like so nuts. Well, only because yeah. they were stupid enough to fire a gun inside a spaceship. I know, yeah. Because it, somebody stowed away on their yeah, spaceship. Yeah, but he was saying, I'm not I'm not a hostile, and then they're shooting him. It's like, yeah. it was stupid. It was we- a weird scene. It was like, yeah. it, it was like, a weird it, scene. It was weird to me like okay now he because he was being whatever because of his daddy issues or because he had to be there right all of a sudden like three or four crew members are dead right and i was just kind of a, like that because like you a, broke a, the law you know you got on this it ship felt like just like a weird choice and i'm so and i like his character just yeah. like uh, all of a sudden he became a bit selfish to me because now these people they're dead and he's well, going i don't think there. he expected them to no do i know that. that i know i mean i i would have you know because because he was kind of a legend and his dad was a legend i thought he he expected to be welcomed and then what why would they pull guns out and that would be because they were told he was on there and then they said neutralize him yeah, yeah. i mean they were given yeah. orders to do that they right. they didn't come up with that on their right. own but okay but i you know there's all kinds of stuff in the background happening there but um so that just felt uh, the movie is this grand movie, and but there's a lot of small things to it, which I think is kind of interesting. But I just felt it wasn't enough for me to really sort of grab, you know, get me behind the the whole journey. And he gets out there, and he you know somehow gets to the ship, which seems like so impossible to do. But yeah, you know, you know in the in the in the world of real yeah, but this is the future. I know. I feel like the propulsion systems would probably be more advanced, and they could probably pull it off. Yeah, I guess. I mean, again, I don't know. I'm just trying to think based on what I see in movies, how impossible it is just to go to the moon like Apollo 11, all the crazy stuff yeah, that happened. Yeah, but that's there. called suspension of disbelief. Yeah, I know. But then he goes to, the, and he finds just, you know, a Neptune, which is so far away, and he somehow gets underneath the belt of, uh, of uh, the belt of rocks with that. Right, the ring around Neptune. That, the ring around Neptune, sorry. Yeah. But they're, they're par- he's, he's parked on one side of it, and his dad's space felt, station is on the other side yeah, of it, so. It just felt like a lot, a lot of suspension of disbelief at the end, and at the end he kind of comes back and is real quick. And I don't know, I just it felt a little uh, truncated for me or something. Well, also know. one of the issues with space movies is the idea that it's sort of like being on the ocean, 
where um and and where you would be on a flight path or something like there's a there's a there's a path that goes from Neptune to the Earth that everybody always uses which is not the case because if you're in the solar system your your departure point and your arrival point are constantly moving all through the year they're spinning around the sun you know like if you're going to go from America to London you're going to go the same way every time and back and forth every time but if you're going to go from Earth to Neptune it, you know depending on what time of year or whatever it's going to be a completely different path but he passes a spaceship on the way to Neptune like in deep space they just happen to like pass another spaceship and to me the odds of that as you i mean it's just like if you're just randomly flying through space space is big it's big yeah, but it's specifically from point A to point B. It's not just wandering around space. They were going from one one stop to Neptune. I mean, it's going to Neptune. There's probably certain flight paths that they would take. That's, well, that's what, what I'm just saying is that Neptune is not always in the same place. So your flight path is not going to be a straight line every time the same line. Neptune moves around and around and around. The Earth moves around. Everything moves. So if you go to Neptune this year, <laughs> Neptune is going to be in a completely different place than it was last year. So you're not going to pass the same spaceship on that's been stranded there for however many years it's been stranded. Anyway. But I feel like that's the kind of stuff I feel like. I I feel like a movie would fall apart if we concentrate too much on logistics, which yeah. aren't interesting to begin with. And then like, <laughs> They're interesting to me. Well, I mean, if, I, if we spend half an hour in the movie, him trying to figure out the logistics of getting from Neptune, from where he was to Neptune... Uh, that, I just think that's, that's stuff that happened in the background. That, that's a good point. <clears throat> and um, happens like with the cut. We don't, you know, a certain amount of time passes. We don't need to see everything that person does. But what was the point of him finding that spaceship there, just so that they could have another scene? Well, I think a, like, like a failed mission. I think it was kind of ominous. I think it added a sort of ominous, like what happened on the spaceship, and it's sending a distress signal, right? Mm-hmm. So they were like, "What's going on?" And um, I, I think the idea that other people are trying to go find other you know intelligent life in the universe wasn't necessarily that far of a stretch in this future that they posited right. um, so i think that sort of made you think oh shit he may not survive this because here's another ship that tried it and they didn't make it right yeah. and it could have been a, a ship that they, maybe they'd sent out on the same kind of mission you know it seemed like more of an experimental like research ship because it had you know animals mm-hmm. on it right <laughs> Which, i'm going to talk yeah. about that scene yeah. um but uh i i think that was okay just to sort of make it seem like it was it could be doomed yeah, I, I again. Well, going to that animal, that scene with the, with the bad. There was just a couple of scenes thrown in, maybe to say, "Hey, we need a little action in here. Right. We need a little scary scene or something." I felt that was like that was kind of a random scene, you know, like the the scene with the bad. Basically, he goes to this ship, and he goes with another guy, you know, this yeah. other, the other pilot, and they split off to kind of you know because that's what they're supposed to do, right? And uh, you go this way, I go that way. One yeah. of us will die for yeah. sure. And it won't be it won't be you because I'm. The, you know. Do people yeah. not watch slasher movies? Yeah, yeah. So then he, he, he uh, the Brad Pitt character, Roy McBride, is trying to call to his uh, friend because he he, you know, he sees something weird and he sees him and he's being like his head is moving back and forth. Like what's going on? He sees him from behind. From behind. It's weird. Yeah. And he looks around and there's a baboon, <laughs> basically eating the guy's face. Right. A zero then, gravity baboon. And just starts just, you know, just launches himself, uh, the baboon, towards, you know, Brad Pitt and, you know, slams the, uh, you know, air duct short, uh, closed or whatever. But that was just kind of odd. Well, I thought it was interesting, the idea that a research ship, the crew dies, but the animals are still there. And 
if they if the thing is set up probably automated to feed animals on the ship probably is i could see the idea that here's a ship i mean why wouldn't they live i mean the crew might have died but if the animals are still alive i kind of thought the idea was interesting to have the research animals on a ship just sort of live in their lives well they could have been yeah. eating the crew the, they the could have eaten the crew also right. to sustain yeah but he seemed hungry yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But you yeah. know, thankfully, because I don't like animal violence, I was glad that the baboon was CGI and not too right. real because I don't want to see any animal. So I was grateful for actually a little <laughs> distance from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't too gratuitous, but it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting idea mm-hmm. that they would have that continuing life on a ship that no longer is functioning and that there was, you know. Maybe, maybe my thing Signal. was just like, what, what was this movie trying to be? Like yeah. a, a kind of a quiet sort of, you know, a serious science fiction film. Or did they say, well, we have to throw some action stuff in. We have to throw the initial scene in. We have to throw in this baboon scene. It seemed scene. really evenly spaced. Yeah, like, there was like, was we have to put two. Scene. Yeah, the, an at, at the scene. end, there's a scene where he does find his father. And then there's a scene, with, you know, trying to get him back on the ship. And then he doesn't want to go. And there's a scene, you know, uh, like a spacewalk scene that has a lot of, you know, action to he it. He has to fly through the rocks in the ring around. Yeah. So know. I just, it was a, a uneven in like what I guess they were, what I, what was I expecting, you know. What I expected was it was all over the place as far as what I thought the film was to be. I didn't certainly didn't hate it. I thought it was again well crafted. Yeah, and it looked good and very well acted. It was an easy watch. It, it's an easy watch. I just uh, mm, I, you know like that series. I guess with serious sci-fi, like with Star Wars and stuff, anything can happen. Who cares? Yeah, it, it, it's you know it's a galaxy far away, a long time ago. Yeah, Star this Wars is like is fantasy. This is a hundred years in the future or whatever. It, it, it has to stick to some rules. Like, yeah, I think you mentioned Burke about like from a uh, like a launching a spaceship or a ship from Mars from the moon. I'm sorry, from the moon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the moon wouldn't... has a lot less gravity. And you know, when you watch the old, um, remember when they set up in you know in 1969 Apollo 11, they set up a camera to run automatically to film the um, the lunar module as it launched off of the moon to go back up to the control module to come back to Earth. And that shot is um, just the the weird shaped little top of the lunar module that just pops off and flies straight up. They didn't need you don't need a whole lot of thruster power to get off the moon because the gravity is so low. That's that's why space travel is so hard is because Earth is so big and it has so much gravity. You need a whole bunch of thrusters. So if you want to if you want to lift off a spaceship from the moon. It doesn't need to look like a rocket launching from the Earth. It doesn't need a big multi-stage thrusters like you would see hmm. in um, interesting a, yeah. in a spaceship from That's the Earth. That's what they have in this. But movie. they have this giant, you know, Saturn V-looking spaceship launching from the Moon just because that looks cool with all the smoke coming out and the blasters coming off the bottom and a, and multiple stages. When in fact, I mean, you know, listeners out there who know more about space than I do. <laughs> Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you were going to launch a, a spaceship from the from the moon, it wouldn't look like a rocket launching from the Earth. It would just, you know, it would have a completely different sort of style and look as far as how it would need to, you know, wouldn't need as much lifting thrusters. Well, to the get director off the... actually admitted that that was a mis- that was not right. Oh, oh really? That they said actually they should have launched it from a spaceship and not from a, the planet, oh, no and kidding. it wouldn't have any of that. Oh, necessary. So he goes, yeah, we didn't get that one right. <laughs> okay. So I think it's funny oh. that they admit it. You know, that he's yeah. like, okay, maybe we shouldn't have done it that way. Because <laughs> it was just kind of jarring. You know, it's like yeah. that's the whole point of putting a moon base. You know, that's the whole point. When you saw 2001 A Space Odyssey, those ships that landed and took off on the moon, 
Remember the one that would look like a ball with legs? That yeah. you know, that's what it. You know, that's all you. Or in UFO, that show UFO. It's yeah. just those little lesb- <laughs> those little <laughs> fighters, you know, with yeah. the cones. But in other words, something that launched from the moon to go into space would need a lot less fuel. That's why it's such a great idea if you want to explore space to put a moon base up there because then yeah. you build your spaceships on the moon. You put your people in the spaceship and you launch it from the moon. You don't have to. It doesn't cost as much. Yeah. as launching it from the earth and that's the whole point of a moon base. people wanting to do a moon base you right. know but anyway it's nerdy talk <laughs> but, but maybe, you know, maybe qu- we have some nerds in our listeners you know? uh, i'm sure there are a few out there <laughs> but it's very affecting and tommy lee jones as is you know his Always father yeah. is you know plays this you know this kind of gone insane kind of guy that's well it's like he's only got a mind for the mission right you could totally see him doing like he still hadn't given up on the idea that he could find intelligent life and he really wanted to do that and he even where he's all by himself and he had to kill off everyone else because they didn't believe in the mission anymore it's like he still was going to stubbornly stay there and try and figure it out even though he's destroying earth in the process because they damaged his antimatter gadget or whatever it is so it's, (laughs) it's actually hitting earth now um, he still wouldn't give up on it. Yeah, and he still doesn't really care about his son. He was right. kind of a dick. Yeah. yeah. We also have to mention Donald Sutherland is in this movie, That's too. That's right. It's cool to see him. Yeah, and he plays kind of a character that I don't know what the point of that character was, really. Oh. Just sort of... <clears throat> he was kind of the bridge, Yeah, it seems like. Kind of but like, it was weird because I said, "Oh, Donald Sutherland's going to go on the trip," which I was kind of yeah. excited about. Yeah. But then he got a little heart. He got a heart attack or something. Yeah. <laughs> something like, happened. Can't <laughs> go. I can't make was, it. So yeah. Donald was like, "I, I got to go back to Canada. I'm doing. I'm one week tops on yeah. this shoot. Okay. All right. Heart attack. <laughs> All right. Still on my seven hundred thousand or whatever he gets. I paid. mean, I, I think the idea of the film. I mean, I thought the marketing materials were really beautiful. I love the, just mm-hmm. the the hero shot of Brad Pitt you really don't need anything else to sell this movie just mm-hmm. a big Brad shot of Brad Pitt, Pitt in, in a, an astronaut suit I instantly went I want to see that yeah um and it just had beautiful colors you know it just looked very ethereal and gorgeous and you know that that's sort of what you want yes um well, you know, I think they they kind of didn't have the confidence to really give us just that they yeah. it's like they wanted to do stuff like you said add some action stuff add some characters that don't really matter have some kind of little weird shit happening when you just really want Brad Pitt doing Brad Pitt in space yeah or a simple idea not a simple idea but just a single idea of like here's the thing here's what I think its origin is um, of course 2001 a Space Odyssey had that sort of pensive that feeling of where you feel like you're in the space the the you know, Stanley Kubrick gives you time to feel what it's like to be isolated on a spaceship in deep space. Of all the space movies, those two guys on the Discovery with Hal, you know, you really feel the the sort of daily life on that spaceship. You don't really get too much characterization of those two guys, but you get the feeling of being in space. And to me, that's that's so important in a space, in a realistic space story. <laughs> And you know another person who made a film that I just love, and I watch it over and over and over, is Solaris, the Tarkovsky Solaris. The George Clooney one is pretty good too, but the Tarkovsky one is just a beautiful film. And it is really pensive like that. It's really slow, but not boring. It has really similar music to this. It has that sort of tinkling, ambient film music Um and it has those um, really sort of gorgeous moments where you see the the isolation of space and the feeling of being very far away. Darwin would like to agree with you on <laughs> yeah. Solaris. He's like, but what about 
He's a sci-fi nerd, Darwin. Are there any sci-fi movies with dogs in them? Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Dogs but, in Space with uh, Michael Hutchins. I would watch that. <laughs> I would so watch but that. But but if you if if you like that kind of thing, you know, Solaris, the the 70s Solaris by Tarkovsky is such a great example of that. And that movie has a has a a story and a feel and a feeling to it that at the end when you the ending of it is so heartbreaking and so powerful because you've been um you know, you've been on this voyage, you've been on this long voyage, and you feel like you've endured the deep space voyage. <laughs> Darwin. He's being very talkative right now. Um, I, you know, I liked Solaris. I mean, it's it's a little bit more of a, um, I wouldn't say workout, but I, you know, <laughs> you have to be prepared for it because it's, it is very slow. Like, almost, I feel like almost too muted for me. Um, I'm trying to think of other sci-fi movies that I like that um, I can compare it to. I mean, what was a Duncan Jones movie? Um, oh, Moon. Moon. Yeah, I thought I liked Moon because it uh, the lead actor um, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell yeah. gave it like a quirk, like you get some entertainment value just from the actor himself. Yeah, yeah. but it gave you that real isolation idea. I like love just yeah. alone. That's a great movie. So I really liked that. That gave me just enough. Like I, I feel like if they get a little too self-important, I kind of tone it, tune it out yeah. a little bit. Silent Running is another one. If yeah. you remember yeah. that one, which is the same sort of thing. Bruce Dern. I, yeah, yeah. That is a heartbreaking finale. Uh, last shot. Too. Oh yeah. But uh, I liked the book, The Martian, better than the movie. But mm. I thought. The Martian was to me felt a lot like Ad Astra. Yeah, where it had yep. this big A-list movie star at the center, and then a very, you know, quiet sort of story with some big action stuff stuck in it. Yeah. Um, but the book I liked because I felt like I was really getting a science thing about Mars, like how they could legitimately do this on Mars, and just seeing the scientific solutions to problems was fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I feel like they sort of gave up a little bit on that in the movie. You didn't get to see the science as much, but right. maybe it's just not cinematic well, enough. Well, th- I think that's exa- a big budget movie with Matt Damon or Brad Pitt. That stuff, we have certain points have to be made in a script. Certain yeah. things have to be put in. Yeah. And you have to put in those action things, and that's what yeah. it is. Nat, we have to put the baboon scene in. We have right. to put we have to put yeah. three or four scenes in there. Otherwise, the pirate attack. Nobody's going to go the... see it if it's, if somebody says, "Oh, there's not a lot of action." Yeah, I get. I think too, real, like you know. they were talking about perhaps that um, baboon ship was kind of like you know sometimes like Russia, especially they send out ships with animals on them. Yeah. To sort of just see how they survive, oh, and they I could see did like that. notorious for the, all the dogs horrible. that they sent into space. Ugh, don't yeah. even get me started. But yeah. in the future, I could see that if they're trying to send ships way out to the outer reaches of space, they would probably send a ship full of animals just to see how they do. Right. And that could have been part of that, you know. And so I think that's an interesting idea that they would just have this, these animals on the ship just <laughs> running amok. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's sad. We sent chimps into space, and you know, it's you know all the animals that, that did a lot of our space research in the early days. And I still think Alien is a great, I mean, it's got a lot of action, but I love the idea of this gritty sort of, you know, um, you know, they're basically like, like salvage ship. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that it's not this glamorous, clean, you know, super sci-fi. It felt like just this sort of this chore. Yeah. You're just out like doing, I like that kind of sci-fi. Oh, Alien is a perfect film. It really is. And it's also <laughs> the first one where, yeah, it's. You're on a sp- ship, not with these glorified astronauts or scientists or you know action people. Heroes. You got guys that would be working down at the local plant. Yeah, you yeah. Know, they uh, were just know. like and even even the, even the captain, Captain Dallas, was just some guy you know work for hire guy who just happened to be the boss. And like, they were scared to yeah. death. Yeah. And one of one of my favorite things about that movie is the is the idea of heroes and 
you, you know, like the the person, the, the man who's going to save everyone, and the captain of the ship is going to, you know, Captain Kirk is going to save everybody, and Captain Dallas in that film, I think, is the first one to die. He's not the yeah. first, he's but maybe he's the he, second. He, he, no, no, the first one is Kane uh, is the first. Oh right, first yeah. Oh, is, hatching. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The second one is um, is uh, what was uh, Harry Dean Stanton's character's name? Um, Burke. Uh, no, Harry Dean Stanton was number two. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, Burke was a bad guy in the second one. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> Burke. Well, I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but when Cap, yeah. I thought Captain yeah. Dallas was the first one when he crawls into the crawl he's space. Like the th- he's like the third, but still really? early on. Yeah, no, definitely the first. The first one after John Hurt's death okay. is when uh, Harry Dean Stanton goes looking up and looks for the cat. Yeah, goes looking for the cat. He's Jones. the first one. It's the first time you see the alien as being big. Right. It's like oh shit. You know? I thought that came after. Now. No, I guess no. it didn't. I've seen okay. it four thousand times. I thought I did yeah. too, but yeah. but anyway, <laughs> the, the but, idea being that here's the captain who you assume if you've never seen the film before, of course, which is hard for us to shame on you. Dare you? God, the, uh, get stop out of here. listening. <laughs> but the um, but the idea I remember seeing it. How radical is this? That here here's. The yeah. guy who you think, I mean, of course, he's going to save everybody. He's going to be the yeah. hero who's going to save everyone. He was so comforting. And he was powerful, strong. He's the guy who communicates with the ship's computers. He was the guy who knew everything and smart, and he gets he dies. And that that yanks the rug out from under you. It's like a Hitchcock psycho moment where you're going to think this one character is going to live through the whole movie, and they get killed off right away, and you're completely disoriented. And yeah. It's almost like I watched the first time seeing what well, he's got to be somehow alive. Right. Somehow he got out of that. <laughs> Did and either I, of you see First Man? Yes. Yes. I didn't see that. Is that good? I liked that a lot. Another I think like we gorgeous do... movie star in outer space. We need to do a whole episode All on right. that. Let's do I have one not seen that on yet. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, it did a few things in that film that I thought were really great. That was a very smart film. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, going back, just the last thing about Alien is I'm yeah. reading a book about um, about Dan O'Bannon who yeah. wrote the oh. script. And it was just interesting. Like he wrote he wrote uh, Dark Star with John Carpenter, yeah. and then this was his next film. He Return really of the wa- Living Dead. He wrote a lot yeah. of great stuff. He he was a guy that just wanted to make this movie about just regular people in space. Yeah. And sort of jumble it all up, which he yeah. did, which he did. You know. And it was like a lot of people say the character in those days, it was not um, as expected or normal. It was a little bit unusual and radical and controversial to have a woman being the hero who yep. survives. And and also she's when you watch the film, there's sort of the joke about it is that, you know, here's the woman who is all along telling them what they should do. Like, don't come in here. Keep him in quarantine. Do right. not bring him on the ship. But they disobey. Right. <laughs> they bring him in. Right. Ruins everything. They should have listened to her, you know, but they didn't. And that's what got him in trouble. So it was like the, the movie Alien is about, don't, you know, listen to the smart woman. <laughs> I know, sadly, that's still true that women are not given the leads in these films because I'm looking at these films. Martian. Yeah. Interstellar. Ad Astra. First Man. Yep. Where are they? Yeah, I know. Yeah, Gravity I know. at least had one a female lead, but all all of those big budget current sci-fi movies, bunch of men in the forefront. Yeah, but the but the oh. Alien sequels, the Alien sequels oh, and they prequels have still done it. I mean, there's still female that's why it's like why don't... Prometheus and Covenant? You yeah. know, why why aren't more you know those movies are hugely successful? Why would they think a woman couldn't lead these movies? Uh, it's weird. Yeah, it's just not wanting to take a chance. I yeah. don't know. I don't. Yeah. Know it's what just when the bigger the budget, the less chances that will be made by a movie studio. Now you got to put a white man in a helmet, and then you got money <laughs> right, coming right. in the door. So like Brad Pitt, you know, yeah. is very rarely in a bomb. You right. Know? I mean, he's been in a few, but um, 
So they made their money back. Yeah. Yep. You know. But overall, I mean, I would give this one a marginal thumbs up. Yeah. You know, Maybe. marginal. I give it okay. a B minus maybe. Oh, really? I thought you'd give it a little higher than no, that. No, I, li- I really liked it. But I mean, I, I wouldn't. It had a lot of problems and I re- probably wouldn't watch it again. But I, I, I watched it. It was easy to watch. It had yeah. enough action. It, was, you know, it wasn't too complicated. It's, you know, and it's. I like seeing Brad Pitt doing things like this because, you know, he's interesting to watch because he's just got some interesting quirks. But, you know, I, I wouldn't give it an A plus plus. Yeah. Interesting. I'm trying well, to think of what I, I would. I liked it because it's a sci-fi movie that tried some stuff, and mm-hmm. I, and it's also not a sequel. It's not based on Something a comic new. book. It's a yeah. it's a standalone. It's it's not a um, thing that that already had a brand, you know. Mm-hmm. And it with that for that, I I applaud it. But I yeah. I had some problems with the script. I didn't really. I thought there was a little bit too much internal dialogue that was worded a little bit too. Um, fl- too much flowery kind of like you know I write this to you my father in the hopes that I shall someday <laughs> see you know it's it, it's almost like they're trying to do the civil you know the, the civil war letters or something in that kind of dialogue of that to try to give it some weight and some yeah, heart some gravitas. You know, some gravitas it's funny happen. though when Brad Pitt reads it he has that kind of Relaxed drawl. It almost still sounds kind of cool. This is California. Yeah, he's accent. just got that kind of you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it just it, I I expected to hear somebody playing a, a drum and a fife while he was reading it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> like my dear sisters, I write this to you from the battlefield of Gettysburg. Let's play a, a, that music behind Burke saying. That. Yeah. Like <laughs> the score Albert by Stephen a, F. Foster. Right. <laughs> So that that kind of put me off a little bit. I was I, I felt like those his internal dialogues and his letters and musings to his father. I felt like they should have been done in the way he spoke. You know what I mean? Rather than him trying to compose a, a mm-hmm. letter of gravitas to his father and you know the my feelings of loss and regret. And but I think if you're writing to your father, you want to sound kind of more profound than maybe you would in life. Maybe. Not me. I don't know. <laughs> now, don't you think it's amazing, just going back to the whole, uh, you know, the uh, Saturn V taken off from the moon. Right. Here's a $100 million budget. Mm. Somebody's going through, you know, the, the scripts and, and coming up with the budget and coming up, or, or just reading it for, you know, having a scientist kind of proofread to make sure this thing makes some, some sort of sense. Somebody wouldn't say, yeah, maybe that's, uh, we got to catch that. That's and what the, I don't understand sometimes. Yeah, and the like, filmmaker earnestly, he said, I wanted to make a really realistic sci-fi exactly, film about yeah. travel and space, what it would really be like. And then he kind of fumbled that. That's weird. It's kind like, of it's not, it's not just his fault. It's like anybody who's involved with, you know, finding that movie would actually say, that's probably not right. I've been in meetings where I'm not going to say who or what <laughs> project I was working on, but it was a, it was a project in which a, um, a, a huge um, earth-shaking event happens to a bunch of people because of a. Um, let me see what I can say here. Because of a cosm a, a a cosmic thing that happens in the sky that you can see that we've all probably seen, but. In the film, it happens to people all over the earth at the same time. Something is triggered by this thing that happens. And, you know, I was like, well, you guys, do you do realize that if you're in different parts of the world, you can't see that happening all at the same time. Somebody in Japan and somebody in Arizona are not going to see it at the same time. And they were like, uh, right, Mr. Scientist. Okay, never mind. You know, it was sort of like they didn't care. Yeah. 
it was a it was a visual thing that they wanted to have in this project and they really loved it they had drawn you know artwork and stuff and i remember is this are they seeing this in their mind is this some sort of metaphorical thing or are they actually looking up and seeing this happen and they were like no they're all looking up and seeing it happen hmm. and I'm like but that's impossible and somebody's going to call you out on that and, and they don't care and they were like, yeah, whatever. Nobody yeah. knows that, Mr. Brainiac. Oh, you think okay. you know everything. And it was like, no, it's not Mr. Brainiac. It's like anybody who's <laughs> ever seen this knows that this is not a thing that you can see all over the world at the same time. Anyway. Okay. Sometimes well, well, people who, just don't who care. Who was it? Who was it? No. Yeah, it Max Sennett. I think yeah, I know who, I know what it is, Max Sennett. Yeah. Anyway. We might have them on the show. <laughs> I don't want them I, to think we we're bad mouth. No, no. Kidding, kidding, it was kidding. the thing is a lot of times too. This kind of stuff just doesn't matter. I remember seeing that art is in the marketing materials. You know that concept they used it as like a thing, and yeah, it's like nobody nobody cares. Are you talking about what I'm talking yeah. about? Well, the thing is that it ended up not being in the show. What I'm talking about? Well, because it was up, in the marketing. It's in the it was logo. in the marketing. It's in yeah. the logo. So it's like you you can see Which that we're, they were, we're originally totally giving it away here. That's okay, that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. But the thing is, it happened. I finally figured it out. And you have to wonder. Why is this in the logo? But anyway. And you do wonder why it's in the logo, but it's not in the show. But at and the same time, I sort of feel like when it comes to, to any kind of sci-fi or, or really like fanciful, uh, almost alternate realities, I'll give them that sometimes just because, okay, I get what you're trying to say. You don't have to be really super you know, accurate. But, you know, it'd be nice if they were. But with, <laughs> with the, as they say, with the flick of a pen, it could all have been fixed. You know, instead of it being this... It could have been that. It could have been, instead of this astronomical event, right. it could have been another one that everyone could sense at the same... But the thing is, if you're on the other side of the Earth, when something happens in the sky, the person on the bottom of the Earth is not going to see what the person on the top of the Earth is seeing in the sky. You're seeing a it's different sky. <laughs> but some other... It's like, just sit down for a minute. You know, Get the writer's room to sit down for a minute and think of something that does... that would work. Right, you know, and it, and that's the that's the work of a writer, you know. Otherwise, you see this thing, if that had ended up in you know being on the show, it would have been it would have been I think to this day a a, a thing a joke that people would still be yeah. making fun of. Yeah. Mm. And there's you know there's like, got to get your science right, people. If you go through, um, well, and you think that I mean there's people out there that are you know you know get into it really intensely. You know, if anything's a little bit off in a movie, somebody's going to write about it. Yeah, on Reddit or something. Well, so one of my wanna... pet peeves, and this isn't really science, but it's nature, is I hate it's when science. they have wolves attacking people. Right. Yeah. It just exactly. doesn't fucking happen, yeah. and I'm sick of seeing it, and I don't want to see. <laughs> and they made movies. Being, yes, called, entire called, movies made like a wolf called pack. the gray. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. it's like they're so ignorant, and I feel like we don't need to demonize these animals. We should be trying to save these animals. So when people do that shit, it makes me crazy. Well, that's yeah. why they could go out and shoot them. Yeah, and that's yeah. why people go ahead and shoot bad guys. Because I saw a movie. Yeah, so it's like, I feel like if you want to get the science right, get it right. Find some other animal that will likely attack people, which it's, could be a, a cougar if you want to have... If or you hippopotamus. Need or, yeah, or hippos, <laughs> who are the most dangerous animal in Africa, because everyone underestimates them and thinks, oh, it's so cute and slow, and the next yeah. thing you know, they're stamped, you know, stamped yeah. to death. But so that's like, going back. You're yeah. absolutely right. It's like the writer is being lazy there, or the, the, or the yeah. production crew, to Ugh. me, is or they lazy. Or worse, not just lazy... The worst idea is that the writer is just expecting that you're not going to notice or that yeah. you don't you aren't going to care. Yeah. Well, most people don't realize, and this yeah. is true, most people don't know that wolves will not attack you, that there's never been a documented attack of a wolf on a person, a healthy 
wolf attack. You know, maybe one's rabbit or something. But right. they just don't happen. It's super, 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 super rare. So rare that this should not be a, a thing in a movie. Right. <laughs> it's it should be. In, in, the, in the movies, it happens a lot. A yeah. lot. They're, they're scary. Every time they have people camping or like, you know, that kind of isolation horror out in the woods, they always have fucking wolves attacking. <laughs> right. Get out of here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Off my soapbox. Okay. And if anybody has any film pet peeves, you know, like as far as Send science that you peeves. constantly see over and over, like, <laughs> I mean, there's a million of them with space with science fiction yeah, movies yeah. like anytime you see a spaceship that makes a noise you know like <laughs> you know yeah but it's cool laser beams in space you know there's no sound in space and that's another thing about that's why you can't hear you scream right <laughs> Ooh. yeah i mean in space no one can hear you scream but you can hear all kinds of engines and noises yeah, but you can hear lots of other shit yeah but that's the thing that I always go back to 2001 Space Odyssey that's still one of the most accurate movies yeah. about space and things silence. about where people are... Yeah, the silence of space, that adds to it for me. Mm-hmm. If if you're supposed to be depicting the isolation and the, the distance and just how far away you are from... You're further away from the Earth than you know anyone has ever been and that is scary that's a that is a scary thought and they really get that in 2001 yeah. part of it's due to just the absolute silence of space and also in 2001 gravity there's so many movies where they just you know they invoke these weird things like they'll say switch on the artificial gravity that's almost a joke because <laughs> what the hell would artificial <laughs> gravity be you know but it's so expensive to have people floating around, like on the Enterprise or whatever, on every spaceship and every movie ever made. People are walking around on the floor like it's on Earth. But, um, you know, it's just because they explain it. Oh, well, we have the artificial gravity is on. But in 2001 A Space Odyssey, they had the big um, rotating room, you know, the centrifuge, where they were running around this sort of a, a thing like you'd find in a rat cage, the rat running wheel. And that is so brilliant. If you rotate that thing inside the spaceship at a certain speed, you can you can simulate Earth gravity, and that is artificial gravity. Mm. And that was so clever for a movie that was made in the '60s. Well, that movie was, you know, it's classic. Smart people, yeah. Cooper. But Ad Astra is, and I, 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 it's not Ed Asner, by the way. It's not Ed Asner. <laughs> <laughs> what does Ad Astra mean? To the, stars. to the stars. To the stars. Okay, now I know. To the stars. I was always just calling Ad Astra going, okay, Ad Astra. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but there you go. Esperanto, right? So they just mixed up the letters. Yeah, yeah they just <laughs> move the letters around and or something. It's some, yeah. other, some other language. The like, star. <laughs> it's but, like Latin. What was the the Dan Quayle quote? He was like visiting Latin America. He said, I should have paid more attention in my Latin class. Oh, I, could yeah. have a, I could have a conversation with you fine people. He seems like a genius to me now. Mm. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> so, God, I miss intellectuals like Dan Quayle. <laughs> intellectuals, you elite. Anyway, we can cut that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm yeah, leaving it. We're getting bitter. <laughs> I'm leaving it. It gets so quick. Um, uh, but yeah, so, you know, kind of a mindless fun. I wouldn't say it's the most accurate sci-fi film like they were kind of touting it was. It simply was not. But if you want to see Brad Pitt in space, it's a, it's an easy way to spend a few hours. Yeah, okay. it's entertaining. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. It, it had a few things that kind of irritated me that I, for some reason I just... Just, I did not like the space baboons, and I don't like animals. The, yeah, it was just encountering another spaceship when you're in deep space. That to me makes it feel less isolated. 
it kind of took away that isolation thing and it made it like, oh, we're on a sort of a busy highway. We're on that, a bus. We're on a bus and yeah. we're just passing another spaceship. Oh, hey, guys, you know. <laughs> I hear what and, you're saying. And you can just sort of turn the steering wheel and go over and park next to it and get on it, you know. Yeah. Whereas space is massive especially i mean even if you're in orbit around the earth you're you're in other words imagine the orbit around the earth is a is a sphere that's larger than the earth so imagine how lost you can get on the earth right mm-hmm. in your own neighborhood you can get lost <laughs> but if you go if you make the sphere even larger so that you're now in orbit you're in a spaceship in orbit you're in a bigger surface and there's also less stuff so the idea of encountering another spacecraft in the orbit of the Earth is nuts. Yeah. The odds are just astronomical. We have a lot of garbage out there, including a Tesla. I know. There's the, a Tesla out The idea around. of encountering it is crazy. It's I like, want to ta- encounter it. It's like the idea of how big space is. Here's an idea. If you have two galaxies that are colliding with each other, two gigantic galaxies full of billions and billions of stars, and they collide with each other... Stars are so far apart from each other that the possibility that the odds of stars crashing into each other when two galaxies pass through each other is astronomical. They won't even get near each other. I yeah. want people to know we did not smoke weed before we did this <laughs> podcast. But if you are, you're probably thinking this is super cool. And there could be a whole universe inside <laughs> one of your hairs, dude. Seriously. <laughs> think get all about Car- that. Carl Sagan. Think about, about that. Think uh, about it. Just so think anyway. about it. But anyway, there it check is, it out. Ad Astra. Ad Asner. Yeah, he's so great. <laughs> I also catch Lou Grant on yes. he runs on Cozy TV. <laughs> so you can find us on the internet. Yes. On cinemondopodcast.com, which has a lot of links to other fun stuff, including other streaming um, platforms you can listen to us on, as iTunes and Radio Public and. Yeah, you name it. We're probably on Overcast. Definitely yeah. Overcast. Um, and also, we're on Instagram, Cinemondo Podcast. We're on Twitter, Cinemondo Pod. We're on Facebook, Cinemondo Podcast. So you can find us. Aren't we on Disney Plus? Are we on Disney I Plus? I we yet? were on Disney Plus. We're on Disney Aww. Negative. Aww. Aww. Just, just my shirt. That's the only <laughs> thing on Disney Plus right now. And if you go to Instagram, we have we post you know pretty much daily all kind of like new things coming up, new movies, yep. new TV shows, things we're watching that we don't have a chance to talk about. Yep. A lot of cool things. So and check please it out. interact with us. We yeah, enjoy hearing we from it. people. If we get any of our science wrong on the show, please call us out on it and and correct us because we're you know we're such nerds. We want to know. And if the movies are a theme that you want us to cover, just write to us and tell us because we've done it before. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. Take care now. Thanks for joining us. Bye. This is Cinemondo signing off. Mm-hmm.